It's time for the only show where today's top mid-revenue cycle leaders share the personal stories, struggles, and successes that you won't hear on the big stage, but made them who they are today. Are you ready to go off the record? Here's your host, Brian Murphy. Okay, from the depths of the progress notes, we're back with another episode of Off the Record with myself, your host, Brian Murphy. Uh, I got a great guest today. I probably sound like a broken record there, uh, not to not to uh, pun pun fully intended, but it's someone I've known for several years now, uh, possibly as far back as that uh, 1989 uh, Kiss uh, Kiss show, Hot in the Shade, but maybe, maybe not. I don't remember that show that well. Uh, but I do want to welcome with us today Tracy Bolt. Uh, Trace, Tracy is the Director of CDI and Utilization Management at Essentia Health in Minnesota, the land of, a th a land of I think, 10,000 lakes and hockey. Tracy, is that about right? <laughs> you, yes, ab and lots of snow and ice. And yes, absolutely. All right. Thank well, you, hopefully, Brian. Hopefully none now in early September, but you never know. Well, <laughs> you never know is the question. All right. Just briefly by way of background, we're going to get into this a little more, but since September of 2016, Tracy, uh, Tracy's role includes providing leadership, direction, and support in the development and management of CDI and UM at multiple Essentia Health sites. In this role, she collaborates closely with the utilization team, physician partners, and the coding manager system-wide. Recently, she helped implement a successful outpatient CDI program with an emphasis on uh, common care organization or ACO, risk adjustment, and pop health. So I want to welcome you to the show, Tracy. We've got a lot to talk about today. Thanks for having me, Brian. This is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, really appreciate you coming on and humoring me. And I know you've got a ton to add. And we'll, let's just let's just dive right in. Um, you know, I thought we could talk a little bit more about your role, Tracy. I just read a very high level capsule which speaks volumes about the amount of work you do there and the innovative work you guys are doing at, at Essentia Health. Could you give us uh, a little bit more about your role and maybe like a day in the life of Tracy Bolt? <laughs> wow, that's a great question. I think a day in my life is different every single day. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, currently trying to uh, mentor people into leadership roles and trying to dump my knowledge to them. It's really hard. I really mm -hmm. didn't realize all of the little parts and pieces that make this role, um, as you said, innovative as it is. Uh, day in my life. So I usually uh, head up on, uh, I usually am up pretty early. So I usually am on between 6.30 and 7.30 in the morning. And uh, generally I'm on till 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. Mm. Uh, some days I cut out a little early so I can go do something like get my toes done or my hair cut, um, you know, the Great. essentials in life. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then from that point, it's uh, check in with the CDI team, see how they're rolling along, how the staffing look and make sure the accounts are covered. And then I roll into my emails and then it's just collaborating across the system. So today, for instance, uh, Oh, let's see. A lot of pop health. A lot of pop health. There's a NACO's uh, conference going on right now. So I listened in on a couple of those um, 
uh, sessions. Mm -hmm. And then um, just got done with a huddle. Two people are retiring tomorrow from CDI. So switched gears, switched gears wow. over. I'm not sure if your audience knows a lot do, but Minnesota Nurses Association are starting to strike next week. So we are affected by that. So switched gears to see how I can volunteer in that arena. Um, and I, that's just part of my day that doesn't even count any of it. So lots going on and touched it. Oh, and I did touch base with our UM team and had a meeting about, um, current denial state where they're at and are we doing the right things the right way? And, uh, gave some ideas around how we could try different ways of attacking those. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's just Holy never cow. ending. That sounds like a very full inbox and, uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I love just being shifting busy. gears. So I've, I've heard mentorship, uh, dealing with retirees and strikes. So staff shortages, it sounds like, um, gosh. And, yeah, and potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. You know, I, I, I let's just talk a bit about population health. You know, uh, just I keep hearing about this and um, I, you know, obviously at a conceptual level, understand it very much. These are patients that are, you know, presumably taking up more resources because of various uh, factors when you think about, you know, these folks, but it's also treating, you know, various populations that have different needs. Um, but is it, are, are you guys able to capture this stuff adequately in the record right now? Um, do you have the codes? Do you have the processes? Or is that something that's still a work in progress? So I think I think what you're you're referring to is just a slice of the pie when it comes to the big picture of population health. Yeah, I'm so probably thinking more of the social determinants. You're, you're, you're talking about the CDI piece and that we are capturing the severity of how ill our patients are through HCC diagnosis, so the chronic conditions. Yep. Um, but when you get into more about outcomes. Uh, getting those resources to those patients, ensuring they come in for their visits so that we're on top of their chronic disease management mm -hmm. on a regular ongoing basis to keep them out of the hospital. Um, you know, spending the dollars in the right areas for preventative versus patching along through the ED. Uh, that's really what we're trying to do. We're managing these populations of patients to ensure that their care is consistent from mm -hmm. the first problem all the way to ensuring that they're getting maybe they're they're going to be taking some um, videos at home so that we can keep touch with them that way or we've got a nurse visiting with them to ensure their CHF is under control. I mean, that's we're talking about a very minor detail around population health, but population health isn't just about coding. It's really about how we manage that population all the way around. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my earlier guests, Susan Fanton, and it sounds yeah. like you guys have hit on the same type of process. They combine that all into one roof, you know, case management, you are under CDI, because what you've just talked about is, you know, is the, is the big nut to crack. It's getting these patients in, it's getting them to be seen. It's making sure that you're, you know, monitoring and treating these chronic conditions before they lead to the big yeah are they getting their prescriptions admission. you know mm -hmm. exactly prescription management is another piece of that that people don't always think about are we getting the right prescriptions are they getting the right do they have the resources to purchase the prescriptions to help keep their chronic conditions in in a chronic state versus becoming acute so population health is interesting and you talked about social determinants of health um, that's just another slice of the pie mm -hmm. uh, are we are we getting those codes we and CDI are not. 
-hmm. However, we are getting those codes in other areas. And and that's really where we're focusing is um, not querying providers and talking about it with them pre-bill or post-bill. It's really part of that visit to, to incorporate that into the discussion. Yeah. I love it. And then on top of that, I'm sure you've got the, the the good old bread and butter, traditional acute care inpatient CDI responsibilities as well. Sure. Uh, and with that, we crossed over a lot and we're very close to partnering with our, our quality team and they are under the value base. So that's readmissions and mortality. And our hospital just hit five stars, which was a super exciting, one of our largest hospitals. Very nice. And um, we do anticipate our others to hit it as well. And that's all part of documentation. And how do we all work together? So CDI isn't siloed by any means. CDI is is supporting, as you said, pop health, quality, value-based, uh, coding, our partners in coding. I mean, if without our friends in coding, we wouldn't be doing any of this. No, not at all. And uh, that's great that you moved to that uh, fifth star. I know moving from that fourth to that fifth star is mm-hmm. a challenge. It's it's getting tougher. And, you know, a lot of these, either the ACOs or Medicare are, are um, making it, you know, more equitable, but, but I think more rigorous to get to that fifth star. So congratulations there. Is that, you know, not to get too deep into your daily dashboard and metrics for success, but, you know, what really what... What is what's the big picture you look at to say, you know, gosh, we're on the right track here with our program. This is the this is the most important thing that Essentia Health is looking at right now. I mean, the bottom line obviously is going to be there, but is it is it those um is it those heated star ratings or is there something else that you really um I don't think at? I focus on one area of opportunity. I don't think that you could put all your eggs in the same basket anymore. Maybe yeah. back in the day when it was straight DRGs and it was just Medicare, remember it was just Medicare. And then, then organizations started looking at commercial and then from commercial, it went into, um, are we, you know, are we looking at our surgery and surgeries the right way? Are we, are we getting placement in the right direction? I mean, it just, it just keeps growing and growing. And, um, I don't think I could say I would put it in, in one bucket. I, I think at a, at a, 10,000 foot view, we have to make sure status is right. Is the mm-hmm. inpatient or observation? And from there, then we go into our DRGs. But then from there, we have to make sure that we're, that patient can't, isn't going to come back. Are they going to come back in 30 days? And if they do, what's the root cause? And how do we glean and learn from that so that we're all talking the same language with our finance folks and our quality friends and our pop health friends? I mean, it's, definitely a big picture. And I can't say that I would put my eggs in one basket. I think the only real area that I could truly say maybe would be part of our finances, you know, are maybe some of the CMI, mm-hmm. but that's getting to be an old number to even talk about anymore. Right. At least for us. I mean, we definitely want CMI. Don't, don't get me wrong, Brian. Yeah. But um, I just love our partnerships because when they succeed financially, that means we're succeeding right along with them. Yeah. No. And you just described the whole process, the throughput. It's getting the patient, you know, the right status, and then it's securing the documentation concurrently while they're in house, and then it's preventing readmission. So it's that's the whole piece. And and agreed. Like you, you let one of those go out of alignment. Um, you know. I think if you're not keeping at least a pulse on all of those areas and you don't, you know, you can't be an expert at everything. And I get that, but a partner you can, and how do I partner with you? So I get, I, 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 I'm lucky to have the opportunity to sit on the, um, the the mortality reviews and then the stroke council. So we sit and talk about that. And, um, 
I have a quality CDI person that sits on and does just mortalities now, and she does it based on a, an algorithm that that works and, and helps us achieve those value-based initiatives better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just diversifying your team to meet the needs, and then I'm the one that has to be spinning those plates, I call it. You know, mm-hmm. If one plate's not spinning well, it's my turn to get up there and figure out what what is it that I need to keep this one going. Yep, yep. Love it. Well, that's uh, a heck of a job and a heck of a day you've just described. It works uh, well, though, with my <laughs> mind. I um, I remember, and I, I just wanted to bring up Melissa because I just really enjoyed working with Melissa. Oh, gosh, and yeah. and, and uh, it, was, it was just such a pleasure. And the first time she interviewed me, I'm certain she hung up the phone and was like, I don't know what's wrong with that girl. She can't say she can't stay on track for two seconds, but it's just because there's so much that I've got in my head. And you're right. That describes my day. And uh, bless Melissa. She's just a great mentor also. Yeah. Well, thank you for mentioning her for those listeners that, that, that don't know Melissa Tracy is referring to my old actress colleague, uh, longtime friend, Melissa Barnabas. Um, Melissa was the second person who ever came on with me at Actus. Um, she did it all there. She ran our CDI journal, managed our all the sessions at our conference speaker selection, worked closely with our local chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years ago, got into a, you know, a battle with cancer that unfortunately she didn't win. Very tragic. She was only 48 years old. We miss, all miss her very much, uh, her impact was immense and it's her loss has been felt throughout uh, the CDI and encoding world and uh, appreciate you remembering her and, and more to come on Melissa. There's going to be more. I, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for next year's Actus conference, but I've been in on some conversations about ways to keep her name alive. So thank you, Tracy, for, for mentioning awesome. Melissa's name. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of want to dial things back a little bit at this point. Sure. I want to talk Tracy about oh, no. uh, how you got here. Oh. <laughs> the early Tracy Bolt. Um, you know, I, I understand, you know, just like many of us, self-included, uh, your, your life wasn't a straight path um, necessarily. You weren't always thinking about CDI and UM when you were maybe five or six years old. Uh, you described to me a little bit before the show started here, a few difficult patches along the way, uh, rough start at college, some time maybe spent as a hairstylist. <laughs> I'm just wondering, could you talk a little bit about how you got here, what you learned along the way, and, and sort of what flipped the switch for you and, and got you on the path to this high achiever we see in front of us today? <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I was mature. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I was ready to figure out how to hone that. I don't know, whatever I've got going on in my head. I'll be honest. Yep. Um, I was always a real, I thought about this today as I was getting ready this morning. Like when he asks me that question, what am I going to say? You're a complete idiot. Your teachers hated you. I mean, that's pretty much it. They would oh. have, say things to my parents about, gosh, she just can't focus. And um, you might want to get her some help. And I, ugh, yeah, I just was a busy kid, um, mm-hmm. had lots of names like, you know, blabbermouth and can't keep your mouth shut. And I just constantly am thinking and going and mm-hmm. move forward through, I went to boarding school. So that was fun. Um, 
I'm a boarding school brat. Wow. Okay. And that was the best thing to to leave my my parents, which I think they actually thought that was a blessing because I asked to go. They didn't send me. I asked. When did that and start? Then, was it was it your high my school? My freshman year? year in high school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then um then I went to college and my parents decided college really wasn't for her. So they took me out the second day I was there. That was interesting. So I just moved out. You only made it to day number my own two. Path. Day number two. Yeah. And That's then they pretty came impressive. Me up, packed my stuff. <laughs> hey, two days is better than no day. I don't think I want to know what right? happened on day one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably why day two came. So, yeah, exactly. Um, wow. So I moved out and I had some, when I was really little, every year for my birthday, my grandma and grandpa gave me a bond. Do you remember those savings bonds? They still yes, do, I do them, but yeah, and I had them all. And a lot of my girlfriends did hair. And so I cashed them in and I paid for hair school with those. And I thought it's a nine month program. I can do anything in nine months. So I worked three jobs. And went to school. I worked at JC Penney's. I worked at Pizza Hut. Okay. Um, I love the deep dish pizza. Still I think day. I even worked at Little <laughs> Caesars, which we called Little Sleezers back then. And, uh, you know, oh, I... <laughs> Wait, Pizza Hut and Little Caesars is, is, is yeah, a Yeah, they all would hide. Conflict of interest there. Back then. No, I don't think they cared. As long as you can, like, put toppings on a pizza, they don't really care. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so I did hair and uh, met my husband and started doing more hair and oh, we got married and then his career moved us a lot. We moved nine times in our 31, 30 years of marriage. So I stopped doing hair. We moved to Tennessee and raised some kids and he had a couple of car accidents that scared me. Like, oh, oh my boy. God, I've got these three kids and I don't have any way to help, like to care for them. Mm -hmm. So um, I went back to school and in our little town we were in, you could get a LPN within a, you know, a year or so. And then they brought in an RN program. So I was the first one to get into that. So I think that's must've been where it started, Brian, is when I was accepted as the first student into the brand new RN program amongst others that uh, I must've had something that was starting to peak. Yeah. But that took me till I was 30-ish to get there. So wait a minute. So at this point, you're in your early 30s. Yeah. After I had my third child, um, I must have been in my, I had to have been in my early 30s to the third child. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, yeah. That's amazing. So people talk about, oh, is it too late? When is it too late to get into never. nursing? No. Yeah. No, I'm still picking away at getting the, the master's done. One more class and then I'm done, but it's still sitting there. Okay. Yeah, so you're- there. You just let that slip. You're also back at school for your master's in nursing. Been there for a long time. I'm sure okay. people are listening. They're like, oh, I thought she got that done already. <laughs> no, it says in process on LinkedIn. It's said that way for about 10 years now. No, I'm not All right. really. But yeah. Well, I'll make sure to give you a shout out when you get it, because I know you will. Right. You're I'll get there. it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a lot of, um, in my second year, I was asked to be a charge nurse and as nurse in nursing. And then I was asked to be house supervisor. And we moved to Chicago that week, or we were asked to move to Chicago the week I got that position. So I couldn't, and it happened to be at Essentia, actually. That's where I first worked. Um, and so we moved to Chicago, and I did a study there at the hospital I was at and asking the staff to empty their pockets at the end of the day for, I don't remember, a month maybe, three weeks, because they are talking about money and tight and, you know, all the, the buzzwords you hear when you're at the bedside. And there was a lot of money returned just in the supplies that walked out the door home. 
that we just took for granted as nurses. You know, you might have a roll of tape. Well, that's five bucks, you know, and everything just added up. And I realized I had a niche to provide patients care without having my hands on them. Mm. And then I, re- I heard they were doing uh, starting a CDI program there. And that's where I started. It was in Chicago. Yeah, that's okay. Super interesting. First of all, I, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what, what made you get into nursing as opposed to any other potential field? Was it the availability? Oh, there's a, program? I think it was a maturity for one. Okay. Um, there's a ton of medicine in my family. So I've been around doctors. Both my grandfathers were physicians, uh, two grandmothers and a, uh, were nurses and an aunt that's a nurse. Now I have another cousin that's a nurse. So it's big in our family. Um, but I didn't really catch, I didn't catch on to that when I was young. I was obviously too immature for it. Yeah. And you were an L and D at the time, right? Is that, is that correct? Labor delivery nurse? Oh, I did everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I started med surge and then I would, I loved popping down to ER and then the end of my bedside was in L and D. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was just thinking about the, uh, the quote, they call it the miracle of childbirth. I've seen that twice up close and oh. personal with my wife. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you have any stories from that? From that Always time? have stories, but I don't know if you want to hear them. Come on. Give me, give me one of them. Come on. <laughs> How gory can we be? You can get a little gory here. So it's not PG-13. really gory, but it's, it's PG-13. <laughs> so, okay. This one's a funny one. The patient, uh, our emergency rooms don't always like to get L and D patients. They get a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, there's a patient coming up on the stretcher. Um, she's in labor. She's making a lot of noise. I don't know anything more. And I said, that's fine. We'll get to her. And they had her up pretty high on the stretcher. Like I could barely see her and she's just really having a lot of pain and try to get some questions. And all of a sudden I heard some gas and I said, Oh, what'd you do? And she says, I passed gas. And I said, Oh, how do you feel now? Wow. I feel great. I didn't even get her in the room. I just whipped that wheelie right back around and she went back home practically because she, <laughs> she just had gas. <laughs> so wow. you get fun stories like that. Oh, and, yeah. um, Is that know, like a, a level one visit? I mean, that was, that was in and out. <laughs> had to be, I had to actually see her and put hands on her to be honest. And the doc actually had okay. to come and see her, but Maybe it felt like she was in and out in two seconds. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. And, and, there's uh, all sorts of L and D. Yeah, I think there's probably more fun stories in the ED, but uh, we'll yeah. save that for another podcast. I know. So here you are. You you see in the all kinds of stuff, ED, L and D. Um, you know, and but I guess it was 2008. You finally got into CDI, and that was not so. You you moved on from Ascension. Now you're at Centegra Health. Um, and that's where continue. I learned. That's okay. where I learned how to. Um, that's where I was trained to do CDI. That's where their first program. I don't think, I think they're a, I don't know if they're Centegra anymore. They might still be Centegra. I can't remember. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's an opportune time to get into CDI. You've got, you know, Actus, from my perspective, really Actus starting in October of 07, mm-hmm. right when MSDRGs are coming in. Um, you know, how did that change occur? So again, you're going from bedside nursing, you describe that little vignette there of, uh, impacting patients, but without having to put your hands on them. But what, what was there a job opening you replied to, or was there something about CDI that appealed to you? I think it was the, honestly, it was the foundation that I'll tell that same story over and over of finding leakage or saving money to help patients. 
to mm. help those that need. Um, I, I had a charge nurse tell me I couldn't put a third warm bath blanket on a patient because it's expensive. It's for those little things that I felt like patients deserve to have as many bath blankets as they need to right. be comfortable in the hospital. Um, and this was a way that I could do that. Uh, I don't really know how, I think, I think the director of coding at the time might have mentioned something to me that this was a position that I might be interested in or the director of labor and delivery. I don't remember exactly how I found it. It was, they came to me and I said, Oh, I'd love to learn more about it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's just how, and we all learned together. So we were all brand new. The manager um, knew enough about CDI. Um, but I mean, we really all were learning together. And yeah. Deloitte was the uh, company that came in and trained us at the time. All right. Yeah. They were one of the uh, OGs in this space. Deloitte, mm -hmm. I know. Interesting. Yeah. You know, but I, and then your, your path didn't stop there, Tracy. You, you went from there, you went into consulting. Uh, looks like with McGladry yeah. and then Enjoin, uh, then your own consulting, yeah. if I'm correct. Did a little that's bit you. of my own. Yeah. yeah. I realized I, that's a lot of work and not to discount consulting. It gave me a much stronger sense for the amount of work that gets done. Um, I still enjoy consulting by all means, but I don't really want to do all that extra work. So I didn't think that was a good fit for me. Yeah. I was, a, you know, let me ask you a question. Having seen it and having worked in it for a short amount of time, and I know that everyone who's in this space is dealing with consultants every day. I mean, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, supporting your, your CDI software or whether it's actually getting on someone to do an assessment, but let me ask you a tough question. What, what, what don't consultants understand about working in a hospital setting, in a CDI setting that you wish they would? Have you seen both sides of it now? <laughs> I think that's why I went into consulting, honestly. Okay. So I could see a broader range of what CDI is doing across the country. Um, and I worked it. So I feel like it's important that a consultant really is boots on the ground at some point in their career. Um, I've been asked to go back to consulting here and not, not too long ago. And I said, you know, I, I just really enjoy making a difference here in the hospital right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I just think that's it. It's, it's, you have to be the, the an expert, but not out of a book, right. Yeah. Out of actually doing the work and working with wide ranges. You know, when I went out to Maryland, for instance, yes, everybody looks at the patient similarly through a chart or a screen, but they code it. They, they have different, um, they've only got the APR, I think, DRG out there. It's very different. Mm -hmm. I would have never known that had I not gone out there and, and, and actually entrenched in myself into their processes. Right. Um, I guess that's my difference, you know, and I'm not a fan of consultants sharing big dollars and big data and mm -hmm. big bullets. Just, just get into the details with me on how we can make this work versus try to make it sound like everything's pretty because it's not, you're not there because it's pretty. You're there exactly. to dig in and roll your arms up and help that, you know, organization that's asking you. Yeah. I think part of I that. I don't know if is, that made sense, but no, that's really what I feel. It's partly the, you know, unavoidable aspect of marketing where you have to get, you know, the attention of folks to get the consultant in. But when you actually get in there, it's yeah. To just promise some, CMI ROI, oh. you know, baseline is is not realistic. Not when you if you haven't seen what's actually going on with that patient case mix and 
with that hospital. I don't, I don't even care about the peer to peer comparison. It's not always going to line up there. You can pull uh, MedPAR data all day. That's the first thing I'll ask them is how old is this data? Well, it's mm -hmm. MedPAR, it's two or three years old. And, well, I don't really, I changed a lot in two or three years. We're a different organization yep. today than we were then. Um, it's hard. It's hard to be a consultant. I mean, I give them all a lot of credit. Uh, we're mm -hmm. smart today. We're way smarter today in CDI, I think, than or at least I, I want to say we are, um, meaning myself and all of my peers. We're way smarter today than we were, you know, back in 2007, 8, 9. Agreed completely. Um, I think that I think that's probably the biggest challenge. Next biggest challenge is you're probably dealing with somebody that knows their stuff really well. Yeah. How are you going to be a smarter? Teach me something I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think a part of that is, is being in an organization like Actus or AHIMA, you know, we can talk to your peers and you can learn what they're mm -hmm. doing and you guys are, are knowledge sharing at a level, maybe where it was, you know, difficult and technology as well. You're able to hop on a Zoom call and and talk mm -hmm. about things um, as opposed to going to a once annual conference. You know, it's um, you guys are ripe to learn from each other. And right? that does make it uh, a higher bar for a consultant coming in. By the way, could, uh, yeah. could someone pick up the phone and still call Tracy Bold and, and get her private consulting or, or no? <laughs> I uh... I, I'm I'm going to have to pass on that question. Pass on that one. Okay. We'll come back to that in the next podcast too. <laughs> so just, just to close out this circle. So what ultimately brought you back then to Accenture in your current position? Um, mm. And you got all these yeah. experiences now, various stops. Right. How, how did that inform your current role and, and kind of shaped who you are today? <laughs> yeah. So I had the pleasure to work um, before, I, so when I came back to, from Chicago, I worked at Park Nicollet as a reviewer, uh, and I I worked with Mark LeBlanc. Do you remember? Oh, Mark? I know Mark yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah, great, great guy. And he moved over to Hennepin, so I moved over there as well and was doing education. And I really thought, gosh, he he's a really, he at the time we worked really well. He was my leader, and I learned a lot from him. And then I went out to consult, and then I came back to Hennepin because. Uh, there was a position. How did that work, Ryan? I didn't come back to Hennepin. I stayed with Enjoin. Okay. And somebody was asking me, actually, when I was at Hennepin, if I would ever consider taking on a manager position in CDI at Essentia. And I said, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm just not. Um, uh, you, you reach out to your peers, like you said, and you bounce things off of each other. And I continued to stay at Enjoin. And then my husband decided he wanted to purchase our resort, which I know we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, well, let's see what Essentia has to offer. So about a year later, I was asked again, and I interviewed and the rest is history. I Carly Williams is our director or senior director of coding CDI and UM. And she's just really fast thinking like me and we get along really well. And our coding director, I mean, we, it's a great trio and we have a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. That's just, and it just ended That's up awesome. being at Essentia. It yeah. wasn't planned to go back to Essentia by any means. Did anyone remember you from your days in nursing? All no, but my, before? I was still in the system. Okay. That was good. <laughs> so you still had a name badge. You could still be, I guess. Be yeah, you could still get in the front door of the cafeteria. I don't think that, no, but I think <laughs> I was still in the system, which was exciting. They just gave me my old number back, which is good. That's cool. Yeah. All right. It's pretty cool. Let's let's just talk a little bit more now about your, your some of your current challenges, Tracy. You know, what you, I'm jotting down a few things when you're introducing yourself. Um, you mentioned, you know, 
mentorship and how hard that is and trying to, to, to get the next generation of leaders along. You, you know, that's such an important role of being a leader is, um, you know, it's not just managing the oversight of the program and keeping the, the wheels moving, but it's, it's thinking about who's going to be maybe your replacement or maybe someone that you need to step up, but it's challenging. It's not for everyone. Um, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that, what, what you're, what you're trying to accomplish there um, and what, what roles you're, you're trying to get folks to, to step into, to keep Essentia growing in this, you know, amazing path yeah. you have it on. Um, I think if I take it back, Brian, to when I said I was immature and not ready to learn and hear, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what that meant. Mentoring. I didn't think I needed to be mentored. I was invincible back then, um, in my younger days. And then as I've grown through the years, I realized it's important to take certain pieces from everybody. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Melissa is one of the ones I took some pieces from. I take them from all over to make up who I am. And through that, I think it's just my way of identifying those that are um, looking for, look, they, they, they look like they're hungry for knowledge. They're hungry for projects, hungry for tasks. Not everybody fits the same mold. Um, and I, I think a, a really good leader really gets to know their team and and can identify those that that um excel in certain areas where others can't mm -hmm. um it's 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 more than just sending a, a thank you note or identifying them via a meeting it's really um starting to like give them projects mm -hmm. and see how they do independently on their own or ask questions and mentor through and then come out with an end result and everybody feels good about it um I definitely have mentored some leaders on our team and it's been really fun to watch them grow. It's also been enlightening to know where their boundaries are. They have boundaries. Some mm -hmm. do, some can only, like you said, um, succeed to a certain level. And that's where you, that's where you really put your, you, you stop, you have a stop there. That's okay. Mm -hmm. um, or you might have others that really want to continue and, and maybe they want to take my place. We are doing succession planning at Essentia, it's one of our goals that we really talk about who would take my place if I were to be promoted or really? if I decided to retire. You yeah, actually absolutely. have those conversations. That's absolutely. So we're having those conversations today because staffing's hard. It's really hard. Yep. Um, you know, if my director, senior director, Carly gets promoted, what's going to happen? Is that something that I even want to do or is it something somebody else is a better fit for? And that's okay. Yeah. We do definitely have conversations. I think you have better transitions of roles when you have those conversations. That's so absolutely. That's so part to, of the mentoring. You got to maintain sort of like a separate shadow org chart for potential replacements or something. Just thinking. Well, you ahead. just have to think about it and you have to yep. talk about it and you, you know, and I, I, we have conversations around it and, um, I, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think, I think the days of hiding behind, you know, uh, a resume are kind of, they're not in the past, but if you really want to continue growing, um, it's important that they know that. And mm -hmm. if you have succession planning that comes right from you and your, your mentors and your peers and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what do you look for Tracy, from someone who might be uh, ready for leadership, like what what characteristic yeah. skills you you mentioned that um, willingness to take on a project or someone who might go the extra mile um, could be 
a tip off that someone's ready or potential for that. You know, there are others that do a great job, but they're they're content to, you know, just follow the the job assignment, follow the 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 role description, and and be done. You know, at four thirty or five, and and that's fine if they're doing a great job. But I guess what is a a potential leader have for traits characteristics? So I think um, a, a leader on a team should probably consider some sort of a career ladder per se. I, it could mm-hmm. be called a million different things, but that's what I call it. So you have your rungs of the ladder, and as you have openings come up, and you you know you see people's interest in certain areas, and you can you can see you can tell who your go getters are. You mm-hmm. can tell the ones that are spending a little extra time, or they're really getting involved in Actus, for instance, or um, they're really involved in the team and and helping them become better at what they do outside of me telling them. Yeah. Um, they might say, "Hey, is it all right if I do this?" And of course, it's it's usually always okay. Um, so you know, professionalism. There's some key things that are always there. Um, you know showing up, mm-hmm. <laughs> being there and letting, being very communicative, um, yep. getting along with providers is a big deal. I mean, we, that's half of what, that's our business. Um, I think mm-hmm. of CDI as a, our little business and our clients are the providers. How do we get along with them and empower them to feel good about documenting and answering those dreaded queries? Right. How do we, um, so that person has to buy into some of what I'm thinking as well. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a, a lot of a lot of it is how do they manage themselves up? Yeah, I like your your comments too about initiative. It's someone who's mm-hmm. taking you know the 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 next step, be it learning, uh, joining a joining an association, you know, learning from a resource. Uh, you mentioned provider engagement. I mean, that's such a big thing. It's um, very easy to just especially now in a in an electronic environment query the physician but if you can make an impact a tremendous impact with actually going out and engaging a provider and that might be something you have to do in your own time maybe you're catching the provider before uh, they start their day or uh, meeting them um, on their own terms in their office or uh, you know at their med staff meeting but that's something i think an enterprising CDI professional could do who's looking to move up and really show that, hey, you know, I'm I'm not here to just do the job. I'm here to, I'm here to grow and to learn. And um, maybe that's someone you you might look at for for a promotional opportunity. Nope, I think you're spot on. Um, there's just so many. I I, I like unique. You know, find mm-hmm. tell me something I don't know. I want to learn too, right along with you. Um, if you have an idea that would be beneficial to the whole team, then share it, come forward, talk about it. If you want to just do reviews, that's okay. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't mind. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool stuff. I, I have a CDI that's excellent with, um, analytics. Um, the, the, the things that that person can develop and push out is, is fantastic. So Essentia has started an excellence of analytics program where, departments, not just CDI across the organization can handpick some people that might thrive in this area. And then we can develop our own person on our team. That's good with analytics, Mm -hmm. Um, Tableau, SQL, so on slicer dicer through our EMR. Um, So, I mean, knowing where they're really good at things, I think that's important. Like I I know who I wouldn't pick for a project, right? Mm -hmm. 
but I might call her to get an idea on a certain uh, medical diagnosis that I'm not clear on because she's really good there. He's really good over here with this. It's just, you got to know your team. I love it. And I love that you like unique and tell me, show me, uh, show me something yeah. that, that I don't know. Tell me something that I don't know. And you know, there's so much to learn in these fields. Like I think of like, even something like, you know, the final rule just comes out, you know, what's changing. Give me like top three or four things you should, Tracy Bolt should know. I'm sure if someone came to you with that or educated the team on that, you know, you'd eat that up. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's becoming a, a super user of your, of your EHR right. telling doctors how to make some, you know, use some real I, short, I shortcuts have one that's really, yeah, I have one. She's really good with denials. She mm. actually loves it. Who loves writing a denial letter? She loves it. Guess what? You're really good at it. So I'm going to carve out a couple of days and you're going to do denials. That's and the awesome. other days you can just, I mean, you, you, it, that's, that's another area that I think we as leaders have to remember that if we see burnout or we see people leaving, is it because they weren't identified as taking on a project, even mm -hmm. if it's something minor, just give them some purpose and some ownership behind something that supports the whole program. Um, I could never sit behind a screen, at least this point in my life, and just do straight reviews. I would be bored, very bored. Yep, yep. So we're gonna we're gonna just okay. move a minute here into into okay. fairyland and in, in the world of make believe. Oh. If you ever seen the, the old uh, Mister Rogers show, yeah. <laughs> so, Tracy, okay. you have you have no barriers. You have full executive buy-in. Budget's no issue. What would be what would what would you do with that type of freedom if you had it? Maybe for just a day or two, if you, if you could invest in something, buy something, make make some incredible change or reorg that you think would benefit essentially in my organization, yeah, in my in personal life. Oh, both. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go both because I'm going to talk to you about your personal life in just a minute here. But. Oh, in my organization, Brian. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's a big question. Someone just I'd love slides. to know what Susan said. Well, we'll have to find out. Don't listen and find out. But let's <laughs> let's just say someone slid, you know, $10 million across the table. Oh. You can invest in anything you want. Would it be people? Would it be uh, um, the latest and greatest AI? I don't know. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think technology is honestly where um, we find the most efficiencies mm -hmm. and I'm always trying to be as efficient as we can. How do we squeeze a little more out of that lemon without taxing the team? So I would love to find a product that I wouldn't have to go through our contracting team. Right. So that's good because our contracting yep. team is challenging. Yep. Yeah. I would probably, probably work as fast as I could to find the absolute best tool for the team to use the Cadillac of the Cadillacs and that our, our coding friends, cause we work as a team, they could also integrate in as well. And um, it would make all of our days better as well as lessen the burden to our providers. That is my yep. number one ask. So if $10 million could do that, that's my <laughs> ask. All right. And I'm, I'm, I'm always curious, Tracy. I mean, I'm, I'm super interested in the latest tech too. And I'm wondering wh wh where do you think AI is in terms of being a smart tool that actually is showing CDI's uh, elements of the record that could be a query opportunity or are actually helping the physician or even arrive at a diagnosis if it's computer, if it's, you know, if it's CAP. Identified. Yeah. Some of the, some yet? of the, some of the areas we are and we have explored um, 
within our EMR is when specific labs fall into a criteria of what we would have queried on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we have, we're working towards that becoming part of their record and, and having those diagnoses come through. Um, for instance, you know, maybe a 128 of sodium isn't just a 128 of sodium. Maybe it's hyponatremia with, I don't know, they hung a bag of NA to offset it. I don't, I don't exactly know how it's going to work, but we have, we're doing that now. Um, for instance, our, our nutrition team will document, it's not quite AI, but they'll document the diagnosis via smart phrase. And then it automatically pulls right over into our physician's notes. Hmm. So they have the evidence right there of what the assessment was within just a sentence, not the whole assessment. Um, so we're, we're working on ways to, yes, really escalate our EMR to help not just our providers, but our um, ancillary support teams. So more to come. I think I can probably speak to this better in about three or four months because we're, we're, um, we're definitely on that path. All right. Well, again, I'm I'm taking notes for our inevitable follow-up call, which will happen at some point. Um, But gosh, again, full job, very busy days. Um, You you talked about just the length of your day and and trying to carve out some time and for those, I know we're a, we're an audio show only folks, but for those at home who aren't seeing, I'm looking over Tracy's shoulder and I'm looking at a, a beautiful log cabin with a screened in front porch. I think it's just a zoom background. I don't think Tracy's actually out in the woods, uh, but <laughs> wanted to shift gears a little bit here, Tracy, and, and talk about Cedar Point Resort and Campground. Um, this is something that's become a, a big part of your life. You alluded to it at the beginning of the show. Uh, super interesting. I know uh, just a little bit about it. I'm um, hoping maybe I can parlay your appearance on Off the Record into a potential trip from uh, Brian Murphy out there someday. We'll see. Uh, wow. But, <laughs> I just invited myself. Yes, I did. I, I'm, I'm, okay. What exactly is this? How did you get involved? And uh, just tell us a little bit about this, this new venture, or maybe not a new venture. I've been doing this for a little little bit of time now. Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, my husband's career moved us quite a bit in our marriage and at about year 26 into his career, he said, you know, I don't really want to do this anymore. And he worked for, um, General Motors and, mm-hmm. um, very, very at, at the executive level, which is wonderful what he wanted to do, but it really was not the direction at that time he wanted to keep going. I uh, said, so, so what do you want to do? And he says, I want to buy a resort. I don't know if any of you on this <laughs> podcast are listening. If your spouse says they want to like do something that's outrageous, you're just like, yes, dear. Sure. And it doesn't happen. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm disappointed it happened, but it happened. And it's a lot of work. It was not a rhetorical um, question. He just... No, we bought this <laughs> in uh, 2019. So we're in our third year. Um, okay. and our first year was fine. And then the second, next, second and third year were, um, summers, I should say summers were all COVID. So this oh, is our boy. first year without being newbies and without COVID. So, um, yeah, so, we have 13 cabins, Okay. um, real rustic. The resort was built in 1939. Um, so you're definitely taking a step back in time here on a lake, um, with 13 campsites. Unbelievable. And we're just as nuts because we bought a second resort last year that's more of a reunion retreat. So that's on another lake about 25 minutes away that we also manage. Yeah, we're crazy. 
are re- specific for reunions, like high school reunions, family reunions? Um, yeah, it holds about 30. Okay. So larger families. So yep. the reason we did it is we have two large homes in our current on Cedar Point and they're always booked and we can't put people places. So this came open and we thought it would be a great idea for large families. Wow. So you open in 2019 and sure things are we probably purchased it good. in 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Has a strong, you know, strong following. A lot of our sure. guests are been here over 50 years. So um, they just repeat book every year. About 50% of our guests repeat book every year. Very nice. But did interesting. Did it plunge to zero when COVID hit? No. No, no okay. I actually resorts similar to ours. We call these mom pop resorts. They're just little kind of we kind of just run our own little show here. Uh, did very well because you could be, and I know you can't see the cabin on our on my on my background, but you can be in your own spot and not have anybody else around but your family. So uh, you know, some families chose to come up and this was their vacation instead of going to all the places that were closed, like you know, Disney and air flights and all that. So we were actually the busiest the resort's ever been during COVID. Wow. Okay. That makes sense to get trying to get away from mm-hmm. the bigger cities and escape the, the pandemic as much as you can. Are, are people, is, are they all trucking in food? Is this like, uh, they're, they're yeah, just they space bring and, all their okay. own stuff. They're bringing in the, their renting space. Exactly. Everything is up. The kitchens are fully stocked. The beds and all that are all set up and made. Um, they just have to bring their food in. And they can swim at the lake. What, what, what do they do for activities there? Um, they can swim at the lake. They have a, we have a small beach or that we have a pool that a brand new pool that we had to finalize and finish up on last year. Um, that was not planned. <laughs> okay. Um, unplanned it's, pool. It's, it was, it was already here. So we just pulled out the old and put in a new. Needed some TLC. Um, Got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, lots of fellowship. You can play volleyball. You can come into our lodge and play uh, cribbage, play pool. You can take a, you know, rent a boat. You can do fishing. Of course, that's what a lot of people come and they go fishing. Wow. Lots of hiking around here. We're in the middle of the Chippewa national forest. So uh, lots of places to hike. Is this your husband's like full-time gig now? He, this sounds yeah, like a full-time this is responsibility. His gig. Yeah. Well, I think it's mine. I always joke around with people and say, I don't really work here. I work somewhere else, but they know who really does work here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much time do you spend? In this? I know you've, a you've lot more than a full-time job already. Yeah, all the behind the scenes stuff. So you can only imagine HR, we have staff and uh, ordering and supplies and checks and bills and blah, blah. Yeah. Lots. Oh my gosh. And then you've got, you obviously you've, you've got your central lodge. So your husband's working out of there and checking in guests and oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. In the summer we have high school kids. So talk about mentoring. It's a different type of mentoring, but definitely yep. our mentoring are, um, this is a very small area up here, not a lot of population. So they don't see a lot. So it's nice to mentor these kids. They're all high schoolers that work for us. Um, teaching them how to clock in, clock out, yeah. show up on time, be responsible. You're Let training us know if the you're next Tracy Bolts. Right? So <laughs> fun stuff. Yeah, don't must, be like me when I was your age. <laughs> I, you, you see a little bit of you in some of these kids, I imagine. I do. Yeah, I make, <laughs> I even gave one a lead position because she's really stepped out of her box. And that's awesome. She takes her job seriously, even if it is just making beds and cleaning cabins and um, I I've had them for ever since we started, we must do something right. Cause they don't generally leave. I mean, they oh, go to college, but 
they don't leave. So it's kind of fun watching this, them grow. Oh yeah. This is so cool. This is so cool. And you, you, you mentioned, uh, you had about 50% of families returned year over year, like mm -hmm. similar weeks. So, but there is availability. So if folks want to check out what Cedar oh, sure. Cedar Point Resort. Yeah, I, I can go yeah. ahead and plug this thing. CedarPTResort.com. <laughs> go for it. Check it out. Absolutely. That'd be you awesome. have to uh, rent well in advance. What is what is the timeline? Yeah, in, in the summer, we only rent weekly stays. So uh, you'd have to come in on a Saturday and leave on a Friday. That's how we do it. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. On the uh, shoulder seasons, though, in the fall and in the spring, you can... Um, rent a little differently and we are closed in the winter okay. except for the two houses they're open but the, all the little cabins are closed yeah this is this is super cool you know I, I anything that you've picked up from this in terms of uh, your professional career yeah. you out, I mean this is this is a lot you've taken on um, organization running a business mentoring there's a lot going on here is does this help and inform who you are or, or what you do at, at Essentia um, I think my skills with people, whether it's physicians or staff, or when I was on the floor working with families has helped with this because the communication here is different. These are, um, you know, I know how I used to act when I go to a hotel that my room wasn't quite right. I would complain. I'm now on the other end of that complaining and it's interesting to hear and listen to that. So I think it's been helpful mm -hmm. to have uh, my career behind me with customer service. And now I have a whole nother level of customer service in this hospitality business. Yeah. Have you thought about this potentially being it for like a next stop post Accenture? Or is this something you've, you've, you've considered? No, I'm, I'm staying at Essentia. Is that what all you're right. asking? I'm not well, no, I mean, I'd like, no, I couldn't in, do this in time. In time. Mm, okay. We'll sell eventually either to our family or somebody else. Uh, we're in it for 10 or 12 years, and then we'll probably pass it on to somebody else to enjoy. It's a definitely a nice lifestyle. My husband enjoys it a lot. Yeah. He runs his own show. He does his own things. And uh, it's a beautiful place. It certainly looks like it. And, and, and am I actually looking at one of those cabins? Yeah, that is. It, that's our it, log it, cabin. It, uh, yeah. This is cool. I'll, you'll have to get, can you get me a photo of this? I'll I'll share it with the uh, with the audience. It, sure. It makes you want to walk it's, in, sit in that front porch. Yeah, uh, if you just go to the line. website though, Brian, it'll be, uh, it's out there. They just have to search for the log cabin and it'll, you can go look at it on the inside and the outside. All right. Well, this yeah. has been awesome. Uh, I have a couple last questions for okay. you, Tracy, as we wrap up. Uh, I know you're a busy person. Appreciate all your time on the show, but uh, any, any final lesson you've learned? You've talked about quite a career journey here. Um, you've maybe, you know, those, anything you learned from those early days as a kid growing up? Uh, Anything about leadership you want to pass off uh, to the next generation here? Someone who might be thinking, am I ready to get into this role? Um, what, sure. what, yeah. What would you summarize? What piece of advice would you, would you offer someone like that? I think one word is patience. Patience for, um, for me is not easy. I am probably the least patient person, but I've learned to be patient with myself and with others. Um, it's important to grow into patience. I think today's generation, I, I think about my daughter, for instance, would like to be like me. And uh, it took a long time and it took a lot of turns as we talked about earlier in the podcast yeah. to get to where I'm at. And I don't know if I'm done, like 
climbing or changing, or I just take it as I, as it comes with patience. Um, I think that generation should always be considerate of the, the patients that our roads are all different and none of us walked out in a, in a level that we're at today. It just didn't mm -hmm. happen that way. No, you're right. I mean, I, I've had many stops in my own career that I did not see coming and, um, yeah, it is like you, you, you will get there. You have to realize that, um, you know, a, a career can range 35 years, 40 years, and you're not going to get what you want the next day. But if you keep working at it, good things will come along. And moreover, you'll, you'll discover who you are and what your real interests are. Um, I think one of the uh, things I, I heard about somebody said something once, and a lot of times your best decisions or opportunities come from your biggest mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's always resonated. And it's really important to remember that it's okay to make a mistake. And yep. it's okay to make a wrong decision, because you probably are going to have a better learning opportunity out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. We've all made them. Um, mm -hmm. But that's where you learn. That's where the learning comes. And if you're not making mistakes, you're, you're, you're not playing the game, right? You know, you're, you're playing it too yeah. safe. I yeah. think that's another key for the generation. Make a mistake, please make them because yep. you're, you're going to need to make mistakes to learn. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's close with one last question for you here, Tracy. Oh boy. The start of the show. And I think my audience knows this by now that I'm, I'm a raging kiss fan. I don't okay. know if I would describe you as a raging kiss fan. I mean, you've, you've, you've said not really, but you, you like some of their stuff. I mean, who really doesn't leave? We're, we're, we're all, and I'm talking about kiss folks, the, uh, the band that, you know, wears <laughs> big in the seventies uh, are kind of dinosaurs now, but are still hanging on to their career and getting ready to hang it up. But Tracy, I want to ask you, what is your favorite kiss song that is not named Beth? We're not going the Beth route. Okay. It's <laughs> rock and roll all night. <laughs> all right. You can't go wrong with rock I am not a huge kiss, but I think I am if I was like to really pay attention to who the actual artist is. So <laughs> yes, that is my favorite song from Kiss. Well, that's their that's their uh closure uh, on every okay. and every every uh, show. They end with that one and all the confetti rains down. I so. think you should start playing it. I you know, I, I think I will if if I could get the rights of Gene Simmons, you know, if I could Sure. He's not, um, he's a good businessman. We'll leave it at that. He'd probably charge me. Uh, he's not cheap think, is what you're saying. I think more than maybe Justin <laughs> could afford to play that show in its entirety. Maybe I could play a clip of that. I'll, I'll see what I can do uh, on, on the, uh, on the lead up from this show, but that's probably a good place to close Tracy with, uh, with a right, little Brian. bit of rock and roll all night. I want to thank you for joining. This has been a wonderful interview and detour into the interesting life of Tracy Bolt at Essentia. And at Cedar Point Resort, uh, I want to wish you all the best. And um, I'm looking forward to having you back on. We've, we've, we've talked a lot today. We left some doors open for a, a future return appearance. And just to close out, uh, so again, that's going to do it for today's Off the Record. You can find show notes and more on LinkedIn, on Norwood, and on anywhere you can find uh, good and bad podcasts you will find Off the Record. Uh, again, want to thank you guys all for joining and we will see you back here again in two weeks. Take care, everyone.
Thanks so much for tuning in to Off the Record. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. We'll catch you in the next episode.